And welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Going for Two, presented by Homefield Apparel. I am your host, the publisher of the Extra Points newsletter, Matt Brown. I'm joined here late on Thursday uh, by my colleague, Brian Fisher. Brian, it's been a weird week, but we're almost to the end of it. Yes, we are. And uh, that's always a welcome sign as we uh, kind of cruise into a pretty, pretty jam packed weekend on the sports calendar in terms of everything going on outside of the NCAA. But uh, still plenty of news going on around college football, around college basketball. It's been uh, just one of those weeks where uh, you kind of get hit by all directions, really. Yeah, I we, we on the, the Friday show here, we want to talk a little bit about. Uh, maybe a couple of stories that we didn't necessarily get a chance to turn into newsletters and everything. And this has been kind of a weirder week because I've been really head down on a couple of, of bigger stories. Uh, I do want to start the show by talking about an original scoop, actually, that you and I were able to put together. The full details are out to our paid subscribers. Uh, they were sent uh, sent out all of the information first thing Friday morning. Uh, we can share a little bit of the high level details with you. The other, you know, just as a kind of peeling back the curtain here. The reason we're doing that is because. 92% of all of our revenue comes from subscriptions. And so while I would love to tell you everything for free, um, there's not enough ad dollars to justify me giving you takes about Southland expansion. That's why we have to, to have all of this here together. But the, the, the story is that uh, if you are in tune to the Big Ten and care about the media rights world, uh, Fox, it would appear, has now purchased an additional stake in the Big Ten Network. They now own 61% uh, of the Big Ten Network, right? They have. And uh, this has actually been something that uh, they, they've had for a while. Um, it's just kind of slowly filtering out. And look, I, a lot of people have been asking around about uh, the Big Ten, the, the media rights. I think there was certainly some some kerfuffles uh, as a result of the SBJ story, uh, noting that uh, the Fox folks were actually in the room uh, hearing uh, you know pitches from ESPN and CBS, which uh, talking with a few folks around the industry that uh, definitely rubbed uh, a few others the, the wrong way in terms of just uh, uh, being a, a bit bizarre and, and something unique uh, to, to what's happening here with Fox. But the reason is the, the Fox relationship with the Big Ten Network has not only increased financially, but uh, increased in terms of the the equity that they have uh you know surrounding uh the big 10 network and uh, look this, this is a, a relationship that uh, we knew ran deep just because of those ties to the network itself and now we know just just how much and, and how lucrative it has been for for a lot of these big 10 schools at a time when let's face it although it might have not been a driving decision it, it was a, a nice pretty 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 penny on top of what uh, they ultimately were, were getting from the networks uh, for their media rights yeah, I, I uh, the, the the financial details and, and some of the whys and the the kind of blood and guts sausage making of this whole enterprise that is is you can find that on extrapointsmb.com. But I I know that for a lot of the non-industry folks that have been following the story, you know, a, a, you know, part of the confusion was about that exact point, right? Why why is Fox in there? And and to your would you to kind of piggyback what you were saying. The TV people I've talked to said something similar, like it is weird that they're in there and not every rival executive of was, of course, thrilled about yep. that. But you, know, you the, 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 these two entities, Fox and the Big Ten, have been close partners for a while. Uh, I mean, obviously, the Big Ten's worked with ESPN in some capacity for decades. Uh, but the fact that the Big Ten Network even exists, as as I remember the history, is a, a little bit of a middle finger to ESPN. You know, tired tired of being lowballed, right? You're you know consider the consider the dice rolled. I think was the was the Delaney quote. So there's there's some of this, and the former head of the Big Ten Network is now the head of Fox Sports. There's been a lot of executive kind of going between there. So 
the idea that the Big Ten would recommit to having Fox be a major business partner for the network should not be a surprise. And it is not uncommon for other entities when they're going through this negotiating process to use media consultants uh, and third parties to help them. It is unusual for those consultants to literally still be on the, like operating another company. But I'm not going to sit here and pretend that all of the other people that are used in this world are extremely independent or impartial. So this this is this is weird, but it's not like the nine degrees of weird that maybe it's being it might have been made out to be on social media. As, as far as I understand things right now. Yeah, I mean, you got to understand, like, uh, when, when you're going into, like, movie pitches and TV pitches, you know, like, it, it's not unusual that uh, you might bring an agent along with you. Obviously, you know, there, there's some some weird type of meetings uh, involving some folks that you really wouldn't expect to be in there. And uh, I think this is the, the the case with Fox. Usually you'll, you'll have one of the outside consultants. That's why when we've talked about the Big 12 commissioner and, and the emphasis on their upcoming media rights, there's really kind of an expectation inside the league that, hey, the Big 12 is going to hire really a, a nuts and bolts athletic person and then hire some outside consultants to to end up doing this this exact process. And, um, you know, to, to the Big Ten's credit, like they, they've done some things in-house. They have outsourced a, f- a few things as well um, in terms of looking at the, the landscape and, and what they can ultimately bring in uh, with these. And, and let's face it, they are they're going to back the Brinks truck up. Uh, they, they are in a great position, uh, not only going first amongst these kind of major media rights negotiations. I guess technically the SEC might have uh, given their, their changeover, but uh, that was just a, a very unique uh, situation with with ESPN and uh, the the SEC. But uh, honestly, this, this is a big payday coming forward, the Big Ten. And uh, really, again, the strengthening of that relationship with Fox from a strategic standpoint, you understand it. And then also from uh, really from a, a standpoint for the Big Ten, not just making money, but to understand they have a good partner that uh, they want to make good decisions with. Um, that's that's a reason why they're in the room and uh, a reason why the things are a little bit unique in terms of these these rights negotiations. I think the last thing we want to make clear in case there's any confusion to uh, general fans is while Fox is going to maintain a significant part of this package and they are going to continue to operate the Big Ten network, they are not going to be the only media partner in this entity, even if theoretically, I do not believe this is the case, but even if hypothetically they did say we're going to control everything, they're going to sublicense some of the stuff just because there's too much stuff. To, to, to put there, Fox doesn't have Fox. Uh, if you, I, I mean, Fox has gone through a significant amount of changes from the last time that they went yeah. through this this negotiation with the Big Ten. So, um, you know, there, there's no conf- there's no regional networks that they have to put things on. It's really Fox, Big Fox, FS1, FS2, and then now the Big Ten Network. Um, you know, when, when you look through their their filings, you know, they, they've only got a limited number of cable outlets anymore. Uh, you know, they, they've spun or sold off a lot of them uh, as part of that, that Disney sell. So uh, it, it is a different leaner uh, Fox that, that has been really all in on on sports and so and you're you're absolutely right and unless we forget um not only are there a limited number of those channels but they also have baseball postseason rights uh i believe they have some professional wrestling they have they have some racing and this has happened before where you know later in the fall with baseball postseason and with rainouts changing everything games get bumped like there's there's not this deep bench of overflow so there's definitely going to be one other linear partner the big question, and I, I wish I knew the answer to this right now, and if I, I'm, I'm working on trying to figure it out along with every other dork on the internet. It's a question is, is there going to be one other partner, two, potentially three? 
Will they be all linear partners? Will one of them be uh, one of these additional streaming companies? Uh, only the shadow knows. And I, I guess Kevin Warren and maybe a couple of people at Fox, they, have, they haven't shared that with us yet. Um, yeah, I would imagine that we yeah. will know a little bit more. Uh, spring meetings, are, this is typically kind of the time frame in the next couple of weeks or so. Uh, all the conferences will meet, have their spring meetings. You've probably heard about the SEC going to Destin and, and making decisions about the league, getting informed, uh, getting brought up to date. The Big Ten's going to do the same. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think for, for a lot of folks, though, you know, it's important to keep in mind that, you know, but the. The Big Ten just has a unique structure uh, with this ownership percentage in, in the Big Ten network. Like the Pac-12, they have a wholly owned uh, enterprises that that's owned by the school. Yeah. So it, that, that's a unique thing. The SEC, the ACC, yeah, they have they have conference networks, but that's really just ESPN cut them a check. You know, the, the, if if the SEC goes gangbusters in terms of subscriptions and they're way above expectations and, uh, you know, ad sales are through the roof because they put an Alabama Auburn game on the SEC network or something like that, or the ratings for the SEC gymnastics championship are way above what they were projected that extra extra cut does not go back to the conference office like it does when in the big 10 and the pac-12 it, it's going yeah, back to it espn goes to, it goes to disney so yeah. so that you know the, the relationship the structures everything is different and and frankly that's that's kind of how college sports has always operated like everybody kind of has their own fiefdom uh, everybody has their kind of unique deals and uh, this is this is a bit of a quirk in the system you know outside of the college football playoff everybody's kind of doing their own thing and so it's it, it does make things very interesting going into some critical negotiations for the Big Ten and their schools as we kind of move forward into uh, rights negotiations phases, because uh, this will be the first of many that we are going to end up talking about, not only in this podcast, but but on extra points as well. It is it is a good point that, that, that nobody else is really structured exactly this way. And I have learned over the course of reporting this story, that means a whole bunch of paperwork. And it yeah. means I had to look up some financial accounting terms that I didn't really know. It, it, it is funny when I, I joked here. You know, I would have started extra points two years ago. I didn't know anything about accounting and I didn't know anything about epidemiology. <laughs> and it turns out like those are the two things I've ended having to learn. I ended up having to learn a lot more over the last two years than maybe uh, the, the tactical differences between a three, four and a four, three, which is something that other reporters have to learn. That's not as much my world here. But, um, you know, I, I had vaguely remembered what EBITDA was. From like a, a sophomore in college business class that I was that was required for my major, even though I didn't study business. But that's not something that comes up a whole lot if you're writing about recruiting. But that's part of our world now, brother, or yeah. <laughs> at least part of my world now, because that's that's uh, that, that's that's part of the business of college athletics. Yeah, you end up making uh, a lot of friends and, and knowing a lot of folks that uh, have MBAs or, or uh, legal degrees that uh, definitely do know a little bit more. And you have, almost have to get them to educate you a little bit uh, when, when they end up telling you something. And I'm like. Wait, wait, what was that term? What was that? Was that what was that acronym? I mean, especially in the NCA when you're like they're spitting off nine different acronyms and you're like, wait a minute. What what was that? What was that committee name? Like it, it just uh, it is a fun part of the business, kind of knowing some of the, the nuts and bolts, but it, it yeah. can be complicated. There's no doubt about that. It's it really is a different language. This, this was the running joke when I was a teacher, particularly within Teach for America. There was a whole different acronym language. Uh, heaven knows, you know, for both of my Mormon buddies who are listening to the show, like our faith community has a gajillion acronyms because our church is administered by a bunch of people with MBAs rather than like people yeah. with like seminary degrees. Um, and, and this definitely falls into that world, uh, too. Well, um, I mean, even just higher education in general, like the, the, the exact same thing replies and it, it's almost even more siloed off. And uh, yeah, the athletics kind of on top of all that, it can be complicated. 
Yeah. Katie Davis, thank you very much, our CPA friend, uh, James Moore, who has been a lifesaver for deciphering some of the stuff here for me. And I think more of some of these NIL stories that were I have coming on Monday and later next week. Um, blessed are the CPAs and not just because I just survived tax season. So I hope all of them are nursing like constant three margarita buzzes right now, but also for deciphering this world. Um, one thing that a CPA or a tax attorney or any of these other, um, you know, acronym trained professionals are, can, are very good at is figuring out how to track and monitor and deliver various envelopes of cash. Uh, and, and that is uh, one of the sponsors for today's podcast. And I did want to talk to you about it. It's a sponsor we talked to, we mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago. This It's a new game called Envelopes of Cash. It comes from our friend Andy Schwartz. Uh, if you are a college sports Twitter uh, OG, you know Andy Schwartz because he's the economist who helped out with the O'Bannon and the Alston case. He's been deep into the business and player rights movement within, within college athletics. Um, he's also a huge board game guy. And when we're talking about board games, we're not really talking about the ones that my children make me play with them, which are like Candyland or like Little Kid Monopoly for people that haven't figured out how to do plusing and minusing above five. This is more of the uh, Euro style resource trading settlers of Catan kind of board game world, um, which is I, I, I enjoy, I think, as much as the next nerd. And I think lots of our other listeners fall into that category, too. What Andy's built, though. And something that I would be really excited about, even if he wasn't a, a sponsor, is that he's taken one of those games and merged it with like a rival's message board. And this this board game now, the envelopes of cash, you play as a college football coach and you traverse around the country and you look for recruits and you can use your above the table booster bucks and your less above the table envelopes of cash to assemble the best college football recruiting class possible. Uh, something that of course, is a fiction and never happens in real life at all, nor has it ever happened. It is strictly the purview of this particular board game. Um, I can tell you here, when you, the first time we talked about this, this game was a, a Kickstarter project that hadn't been fully funded, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a little bit of credit for this. Uh, and now is. Uh, people have responded. They said, I want this game in my lives. Not only is it fully funded, Kickstarter has said, this is one of the projects that we love. Uh, and uh, within the Extra Points community, for especially for our paid subscribers that are part of our Discord channel, we're going to be playing this game online together uh, very soon. Probably the first week of May. We're, we're, we're figuring out the last little technical uh, uh, challenges here to set up a, a leak with uh, some prizes. Uh, ideally, I don't know if it's really safe to mail envelopes of cash, but we would find some way to, to provide some kind of financial incentive for the winner. So if you're listening to all this and thinking, well... I'm interested in, in recruiting. I'm interested in bribing college students. I'm interested in uh, Euro style board games and trash talking and maybe having my own image like this on some of these individual cards. You want to get a copy of this game, which you can find at bit.ly slash EP, oh, excuse me, EOC dash EP. I'm going to have the link in the show notes so you can see it. Bit.ly slash EOC stands for envelopes of cash. Dash EP, which stands for extra points. Uh, and you can grab your copy of the game today. The other sponsor, of course, uh, don't have a Bagman. Actually, no, there is a Bagman related. <laughs> Man, this, this, this week. Speaking of Bagman, if you were thinking, boy, I would love to wear a T-shirt with a Bagman logo on it made from extremely comfortable material that I wear while I'm Bagmanning on the board game. 
Brian, where, where can people ob- obtain such a blessed garment? That would be at uh, homefieldapparel.com, where you could definitely use the promo code extra points for a whopping 15% off your first order. Because uh, it, let me tell you, that that one bagman shirt is definitely not the, the only thing that's going in that cart. Uh, they just launched the Air Force uh, collection that we had talked about in our last episode. It's as cool as we thought it was going to be. Not, I mean, the color scheme's great. The helmet birds are great. The rest of the Colorado institutions collections are great. The rest of the Indiana collections are great. They've been dropping a, a couple more refreshes over the past couple of days. I can tell you another one that, that has caught my eye, uh, even though I'm under extremely strict orders to not buy any. I believe the exact quote here is, if you buy one more goddamn T-shirt without getting rid of some other T-shirts, so help me. Um but if you are not under those restrictions, you should get some of these shirts. One of the ones that, really, that I noticed was the, the Maryland refresh, yeah. which has kind of like the uh, a 70s vintage you know, Maryland logo. And you also have the cartoon turtle, um, which is a delight. We all need angry turtles in our lives, just like we need falcons with gigantic like uh, Jetsons helmets on them uh, and Bagman logos. You can grab all of that at homefieldapparel.com. You can use the promo code extra points to save 15 percent off that order to give help support this show and help support our friends who are making cool board games and cool shirts. Speaking of Bagman, there's one other thing here that I noticed this week that I don't want to drop into a 45 minute soliloquy on, but I do think it's another important recruiting incentive development that people should be aware of. Brian, I'm, you've, you have the internet. <laughs> you've, you've seen that there's a new collective being started up just about every single day supporting mostly Power 5 programs, but also some Group of Five and some and some one AAA institutions here as well. But a development that I've noticed is that sometimes there's more than one collective at one school. And I, I think there's one school, there's at least one, there might be two schools now that have three of these collectives. Did you, did you see uh, one of the schools this week that there were another one popped up where now we have a, a, a gaggle of these groups. Yeah, I believe it was Florida State uh, that uh, had yet another one. And, you know, I, I think that really the state of Florida was was making waves. You know, the, the Florida uh, in particular, uh, Florida Gators, I, I should uh, clarify, uh, just announced that they were their collective or whatnot was launched by another multimillion dollar uh, benefactor. They raised like five million dollars within 24 hours. But I think you're right. The, the thing that kind of caught my eye was the fact that Florida State had not one, not two, but three of these pop up now. And this is this is kind of the, the problem, right? You know, this was kind of the thing that a lot of folks kind of said, yeah, when you take a lot of the power and, and a lot of those guardrails out of the hands of the schools and you definitely turn it over to who knows who, uh, you know, this, this is the sort of thing that can happen. You cannot get the coordination that you would get if schools were allowed to be involved. And and uh, frankly, that's uh, part of partly, you know, on, on the NCAA and, and the, just kind of this mad gold rush that we're in uh, with these NIL collectives. But I think it's also a little bit, um, you know, a lot of these boosters uh, being able to not only come out from the shadows uh, and, and really kind of go above board with a lot of these collective deals, but uh, also m- make sure that they make their names known uh, within their local communities as well. And we're starting to see that a little bit at places like Florida State. I, I, I believe I think Florida might actually have three, two. Uh, I know there's at least two in uh, supporting Texas. My alma mater just had a second one pop up here. I, I you're you're right. I think there are two ways this could go for very large institutions. I can hypothetically see a world where multiple collectives could operate if they are very clearly um, trying to reach different segments of this of the pool. If you theoretically had one that was operating as a 
for-profit marketing agency and one that was trying to operate as a nonprofit or a not-for-profit that was working with different kinds of firms, I could see theoretically how those two things could coexist. If you had two different collectives that were perhaps trying to serve different um, different teams within the athletic department, you the it's not uncommon across the country right now for NIL collectives to flat out say, we are not built to support your entire athletic department. We are built to support these five or six sports. Uh, I can think of in at least one case where it's just like, we're literally just about football and men's basketball. Um, which, you know, we'll see what regulators think about that. Uh, maybe that's maybe that's fine. But uh, others, they're saying we're for everybody. So I could see a world for a large athletic department where you th- that could function. And you could go to different donors and say it makes sense for you to give to other, the other two. But you are hitting on something here that I feel like the, the, the college sports world has not fully grappled with. Um, some of these collectives, I am been told, are popping up just because the boosters hate the other guy running a collective. And they're setting this thing up here not to uh, build a sports agency business and make a profit off of the athletes and the brands themselves, although some entities are doing that, and not just to provide recruiting inducements uh, for various high schoolers to come play at the old alma mater. It is literally to say, screw you, I'm smarter than you, I can build a better Bagman network. Because at some of these places, the uh, the level of sophistication and business acumen and uh, social capital that's attached to some of these deals uh, might create those kind of incentives. And that's especially notable at Florida State because uh, Florida State football has mostly sucked the, the last like six, seven years. And a big part of that has been the Florida State's booster community has outsized power and influence compared to Florida State's athletic director, Florida State's president and football coach. And they weren't on the same page. And when we saw that, that made it really easy for football coaches to depart after not being there for very long, uh, to not be able to acquire the capital needed for facility projects. Florida State is a one of those programs that is... Um, Sneaky in that the expectations are compete for championships, but the alumni resources and the endowment of that university are not nearly what you would expect compared to a Big Ten or an SEC school. Florida State is a, you know, historically speaking, still newer institution. It doesn't have Michigan money. Um, it has the Spanx family or whatever, right? It has like it has Bud Elliott and Associates. I, I, but I know you're not dropping bags uh, illegally. But I, it doesn't have the the Stephen Ross money necessarily, like like Wolverines do. Now you have three different collectives, and shit, you might have a fourth. You know, by by coming here by by August one, I do not see how this ends well. No. And I beyond beyond the IRS and beyond lawsuits and beyond things going under, I, I can't see how collectives fighting each other over not unlimited donor pools is going to end well for athletic departments. And I don't know if an AD or anybody within the school was really empowered to say, cut this shit out. You know what I mean? Well, the, for state, several state laws, they really can't. And and I yeah. think that their compliance folks have made that very clear that we, we have to be very hands off with that. Yeah, there might certainly be some some informal conversations going on through some intermediaries. That's, and whatnot. That's, that's what I'm thinking. Right. You put your arm around somebody at the country club and say, yeah, like, there's you don't need to file this. You don't need to create this LLC. There's, I mean? there's definitely some of that going on. But the I mean, just taking Florida State in particular. Yeah, it's definitely an issue nationwide. But at Florida State, this has been something that has plagued the school uh, for, for ages now. I mean, you got to understand the structure of Florida State and their athletic department has been 
been different from from a lot of the other uh, of their peer institutions, if you will. Right. They've, they've always had Seminole boosters, which was kind of the certainly the fundraising component. And then they had their, their athletic department. Those two things were very separate. Um, you know, it kind of waxed and waned. Sometimes they would be all on the same page and they would be aligned, uh, you know, certainly at, at times during the Bobby Bowden era. But uh, those fractures, they, they, they've always been there and uh, they tend to rear their ugly heads. And uh, that has been a particular issue at Florida State. It's frankly one of the reasons why Jimbo Fisher is at Texas A&M now and not uh, not yeah. closing his career there out there at Florida State. Uh, you know, look, it, it, it's an issue that uh, Florida State is going to have to grapple with. You know, I think everybody thought maybe after after hiring Mike Norvell, uh, certainly uh, hiring a new AD, maybe things would have been better. Michael McAlford, their their AD now, came from Seminole Boosters. He was their CEO. So he had all those connections. But obviously, it's, it's just a difficult environment for schools like Florida State. And this is going to play out, you know, really across the country. You know, you're already starting to see the, not only the multiple factions competing among donor bases, but, um, you know, I think there's there's some certainly some potential for this to kind of get out of hand. And, uh, you know, this is a big reason why NCA is looking at NIL and we, we, we talk about guardrails. I know there's some some fears about obviously lawsuits and whatnot, but uh, this 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 type of thing is, is badly why a lot of the schools want something out of Congress in order to kind of get some control over these, get, get something to where they can have some say in, in, the, in the matter and kind of, as you say, cut, cut this shit out because um, it, it's going to end up uh, certainly blowing up on the front pages and not in a good way. Yeah, I, I, w- I was actually just double checking this here. As of late on the 21st, I think the record, weirdly enough, right now might be Virginia Tech, which has the Hokies Exchange, which is like the more official one. And that's run uh, through Influencer. And well, through the, uh, I, I think, it, yeah, it, I think it's, it's always important to kind of kind of separate out the collective space. I know our, our good friend David Hill had, had a really, really good thread on yeah. Twitter about this. You know, it's like there's there's the marketplace things that uh, the schools can set up, you know, as far as their athletes and exchanges and and whatnot. And then there's the collective space. And, and obviously those two things are, are very different. But I'll, I'll let you continue. No, you're you're you're. Absolutely right. I have said this in extra points multiple times. You have the NIL market that is mostly driven by brands that are trying to generate a positive ROI on marketing and sponsorship initiatives. That's the world that I write the most about. That's the world I have participated in. And that's easier as a reporter to write about because those people create paperwork. They'll Talk to you on the record. You can. We literally had check. speaking of Florida State, we literally had the, the market price, which is one of the Florida State uh, market exchanges, literally had a connect a conversation with their CEO about Florida State's uh, venture in particular or on Collegiate Sports Connect this this past week. So like this. Pa- yep. Jason, we'll, we'll it'll it's, it's, it's all on there. Right. So that that is easier to write about. I am not an especially smart person, but I've learned enough about business and I'm in the ad sales business, too. <laughs> That I understand like that, that rationale and, and those incentives you have. Then you have a collective space, which is not exclusively, but primarily concerned with recruits. Um, and 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 there there is a brand component to it and there might be a charity component to it. But you and I and God and Mark Emmert know like that's it's not the same thing to go back to t- Virginia Tech. So you've got the official one if you want to, you know, if you're the the local cookout or something and you want to do something with a, an athlete. There's also the Triumph NIL group, there's Hot Root Marketing LLC, there's the Commonwealth NIL. So there's three different groups just there. Texas has three, Florida has three, Florida State has three. Um I'm looking through here like TCU has two, Penn State has three, Ohio State has two. Um that does not feel sustainable. It's not an. I think I'll say this. I don't think it's an accident. 
that Alabama's only got one of these things, yeah. right? Yeah. And I bet I bet there's only going to be one unless another one pops up to say we're just here for Alabama gymnastics. You know what I mean? I, I could definitely end up seeing something like that happen at a place like Alabama. But you're right. Like the the end goals for a lot of these vary. And then we would talk about institutional alignment. You need booster alignment as well on this or else you're you're wasting resources. And I think that's probably why a lot of these schools are kind of afraid of this continuing this this kind of runaway train uh, kind of tipping over at the tracks. I mean, this you, you'll look at a lot of these these collectives that they have vastly different aims. One of them might just be the booster wants to pay players above board and make sure that the best players are going to their school so that they can turn things around on the field. Others, they might actually want to make a profit. You know, like I, I think that is important to keep in mind. Not all of these collectives are nonprofit. I just saw that in Indiana, um, their their latest one uh, run by Fred Glass, they made it a big deal and say, hey, we're, we're now a, a 501c3. We're, we're tax deductible when you make it a, a, a donation to our organization. And that's one of their big selling points. A lot of these are organizations are not. And so like it, it, it varies in terms of the scope. It varies in terms of, you know, their ultimate aims. And while they might be attached to a school, uh, a lot of them, you know, they might they might uh, not necessarily be aligned in terms of what uh, what athletes the, the coaching staff ultimately wants. Uh, you know, the, the, this is a whole new ball game for a lot of folks, and uh, definitely adding a few gray hairs on a, on account of both assistants, uh, head coaches, uh, athletic directors, assistant ads, development folks. Uh, there, there, there's a lot of bitching Everybody. and complaining. Uh, let and, me tell you, and yeah, and and with brands too. I had written about this earlier, and I imagine this is going to be a reoccurring theme over the next two weeks. You look here, uh, my, our, our friend Christy Dosh has, has built, a, I think, a very good yep. uh, tracker of these entities. And some of them, and this is this is not an insult, some of these are literally a bunch of dads off the message board. Like, I, I, I want to say that, like, our buddies over at Fear the Wave, which is a Tulane blog, I, I think they literally set one of these up. Look, God, God bless them. Like, no one's going to confuse, I think, that entity with, like, the New Orleans mob or, 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 or Entergy or some other kind of gigantic corporate uh, effort. Some of these are literally meant to be marketing agencies and like turn a profit and be like the baby CAA. And some of them are a whole bunch of other things in between. That is uh, a, a trend that we're going to continue to monitor, not just how they're different, how they're raising money, how they're reporting money, how they interface with various regulatory authorities, but also how they interface with each other. Whether this becomes a more professionalized industry with with norms and standards and and lawyers and and accountants that specifically try to serve this, whether it's something where institutional money tries to move in and and muscle some of these amateurs off the block or step into this space, which I I feel like is kind of what Division Street is for Oregon or maybe Aspire, Tennessee, or uh, something else altogether. If we knew exactly how it was going to work, extra points would be 80 bucks a month, but we don't know. So it's eight. We'll do our best to find out. Um, I, I, I'm going to include a couple of these other links here within the show notes. We have a big week planned next week. We're going to we're going to talk a little bit more about envelopes of cash. The games, uh, the game. We have a couple of NIL related original reporting stories coming down the pipe. Uh, Brian and I have some, uh, I, I think, exciting industry uh, interviews coming up, coming up here soon. So I would encourage you to one, make sure you're subscribed to this podcast. Rate it five stars. Tell all your friends about it. I would encourage you to make sure that you are subscribed to D1 Ticker, which is free. Publishes twice a, twice a weekday, gives you all of the clippings. It is the only other newsletter that I religiously read every single time. I read everybody else's almost as often as I possibly can. This is the one that makes me the most informed. It's the, literally the first thing I read when I wake up in the morning. Um, 
And I would encourage you to sign up for an account at Collegiate Sports Connect and watch all of the great videos that uh, I, uh, the, the adequate ones that I, the really good ones that Brian and our other colleagues here are, are putting together to help you stay informed. Did I get everything? I think that's it. Uh, make sure you. <laughs> yeah. 100%. Uh, look, at you, you, you take a week off and then you slide right back in, just like riding a bike. But uh, yeah, you know, go and go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Brian D. Fisher. I think that might have been the, the only thing you, you missed there is uh, the old Twitter handle for uh, for yourself at, at Matt Brown EP. But uh, other than that, I think you nailed it, my friend. Not wait. You know what? I haven't plugged this here in a minute, but not only do am I on Twitter uh, altogether too much. Uh, we're also on Instagram, and that is at Extra Points MB. We had that uh, we've, we've brought in a, a recent uh, other staffer to help uh, with some pull quotes and some new custom images that we're making there. I am a hopelessly out of touch old, so I understand memes and I know how to tweet decently. I'm still learning how to Instagram, but if you were the kind of person that that was more likely to, get, to consume content there, uh, we are there as well at Extra Points MB. Everyone. Thank you so much for uh, sticking with us here this week. It's been a fun one. We'll catch up with you again next week. Bye.